Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. At this time, we want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. And uh, so if you're new to the scriptures, just go on and Google that into your uh, Google search. And then if you're familiar with the Bible, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. So very first book of the New Testament. And while you're turning there, I I want us to uh, prepare our hearts for the offering. Uh, One of the things that I'm reminded of when it comes to giving and one of the things that we're going to talk about today, we talked about last week, is that uh, in order to make sure that the things that we have, the things that God has given us, don't have our hearts and that God has our hearts is by giving. Uh, In order to accomplish the things that we are accomplishing throughout the city of Chicago and abroad, it's through your giving and your generosity that we're able to uh, care for those who need groceries, that we're able to come alongside churches in difficult uh, spaces and situations. And so I want to encourage you to participate in giving. There's multiple ways to be able to do that, and you can look at the screen to be able to tell uh, which way is the best for you. And I, I know that Pastor Derek says that the Old Testament says to give a tenth of your salary um, and it moves on to the New Testament and says to be a cheerful giver, or to be a hilarious giver, to give to the point of where it begins to make you laugh because it's kind of crazy, right? Um, and so we do this as a way to say to God, God, you have my heart. The things that you've entrusted me with don't. And I want to invest into your kingdom, be generous to your kingdom because it's through your generosity that we've been made right with you. And so with that said, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these gifts that we are about to receive. Even uh, for those of us who practice this online and we don't see it come out of our account every time that it does, God, we are reminding our souls right now that you are the treasure of our heart. You are our greatest treasure. And we invest into your kingdom as a response to your generosity towards us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, for those of you who have turned to Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, won't you do me a favor and go ahead and shout, I got it. We're continuing our series that we've entitled Moments, uh, and we're talking about intimacy with God. We're talking about being present to God in the moment and present to people in the moment. And so when you've got Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, shout, I got it. Words read this way. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Very words of Scripture. Amen. If you follow the life in ministry of Jesus, one of the things that you'll quickly notice is that Jesus is never in a hurry. Uh, he's, he's never in He's never in a rush. He, he hears the news that his friend Lazarus uh, is sick, and he, uh, he hears that news, and, uh, and they're asking for him to come to Lazarus. Lazarus eventually dies, and the Bible says that when he found the news out that Lazarus was sick, Jesus stayed where he was for two days. 
There, there was a, a woman who, uh, who had an issue of, of blood, and a man named Jairus was calling for Jesus to come heal his daughter. And on his way to uh, go to heal Jairus' daughter, this woman with the issue of blood, as crowds of people were surrounding Jesus, rushes over to Jesus and touches the hem of his garment. And he says, wait a second, who touched me? He stops as his disciples are like, how, how are you going to stop and, and ask the question, who touched you? We're in a crowd of people. And, and he says, no, somebody touched me. And, and quickly the woman found Jesus and said, it was me. And you have to imagine Jairus' emotions in that moment. This is urgent. We need to hurry to get to my daughter. And yet Jesus stops to be present to this woman with the issue of blood. When Jesus goes through Samaria and uh, he stops at what the Bible calls Jacob's, uh, Jacob's well, and he stops there and he speaks to a Samaritan woman and, 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 and he has this conversation with her, tells her everything that she ever did. She goes back into the town and the people are so elated with the message of Jesus that uh, they ask him to stay two more days. When the disciples came back to see him talking to the woman, he, they thought that he shouldn't even be talking to this lady. And yet on his way back, he stayed with them two more days. Jesus was never in a hurry. And in turn, he was always able to be present to God and present to people. Throughout the, the, the gospel accounts, there's this common refrain where there, there is a, uh, a invitation given. Come to me, Jesus said. Follow me, Jesus said. Learn from me. Last week, Pastor Derek talked about Matthew 11, and uh, we saw that, that same common refrain, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Pastor D taught us about the yoke of Jesus, and he talked about, uh, that, that they talked about in that passage, and, and the yoke uh, is this device used in an agrarian society that would have been used to connect two oxen together in order to pull a plow but Jesus, you see, he, he's a teacher. He's not a farmer. So, so when he calls us to take his yoke up and learn from him, he's saying, learn to live life as my apprentice. And how did Jesus live his life? Being present to God in the moment and being present to people in the moment. Jesus regularly spent his, his morning getting up uh, first thing in the morning to get away to be with the Father. He, he regularly spent his evenings going away to spend the evening to be with the Father. He regularly pressed pause on accomplishing things, stepped away for weeks at a time in order to spend time with the Father. And when he came back, he came back present to all of the people he came in contact with. 
So the question on the table, I think, is that could it be that, that what Jesus meant by life and life to the full, what he said in John 10 and 10, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life to the full or life more abundantly. Could it be that being present to God in the moment and present to people in the moment, could it be that slowing down of his life to do two things, are the, the, those two things are the reason he says his yoke is is easy and his burden is light. Slow down and be present to people and be present to the Father. I want to suggest to you this morning that this is the way of life and life to the full being fully present to God in every moment of our lives and present to people in every moment of our lives. So why is that not our experience? Why don't we find ourselves saying, I'm, I'm spiritually flourishing in this season? Why don't we say we're regularly experiencing Jesus' yoke being easy and his burden being light? I think it's because God is not our greatest treasure. I think it's because God is not our greatest treasure. If there was a big idea or a thing this message was tailored to teach us, it would be this. We don't experience the good life because God is not our greatest treasure. We don't experience the good life because God is is not our greatest treasure. In order to kind of give ourselves a table of contents from where we're going this morning, I, I want to look at three different things. The first two are closely related, and the last one is the resolution. Uh, number one, we're going to look at the cultural lie. Number two, we're going to look at the problem. And number three, we're going to look at the solution. Uh, the cultural lie, the problem, the solution. I want to preach from the subject, disordered loves. Disordered loves. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your kindness towards us this morning. We thank you for the opportunity even to gather together virtually and to hear from your word. Now I pray, God, that in our time together that Jesus would be exalted, that your word would be explained. It's to that end, Father, that I am available to you. Stand in my body, think with my mind, teach with my tongue, all those things which we are to know, say, and do. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus' words here uh, are presented to us within the scope of Jesus' historic sermon on the mount. Uh, and, and he's speaking specifically to his followers or to his disciples. And what begins the Sermon on the Mount is what's known as the Beatitudes. And, and these uh, Beatitudes are statements not of doing, but of being. They are characteristics of people who are a part of the kingdom of God. They aren't things that you do in order to enter into the kingdom. They are characteristics of people who are a part of the kingdom. This is the context of Matthew chapter 6. So when Jesus turns to talking about treasure in our passage, when he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, 
He, he really is beginning to focus as he's articulated these characteristics of people are a part of the kingdom of God. He begins to focus his attention on spirit, spiritual practices of people who are a part of the kingdom of God. In other words, this is how you live this out. And Jesus makes the distinction that the thing or things you treasure are interconnected. They're interconnected to your soul, to the entirety of who you are. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And here's the cultural lie of, of our time. The issue that you and I run up against in, in our world is that our world pushes us to pick up the pace of our lives so that we feel like we don't have time to slow down and take in all that is our greatest treasure. So we rush to get out of the house. We rush to get to work. We rush to get a workout in. We rush to grab some food. We rush to our job. We're so addicted to our phone that whenever we have a free moment, we rush to Instagram and social media to get a dopamine hit from the likes of the posts that we posted hours earlier. We podcast on our commute home, the murder mystery, and we listen to Spotify the moment we have free time. We get home where we rush to see what's new on Netflix as we scroll through our phone to see what Facebook algorithm tells us the next thing we really need to buy is. We, we click on the new iPhone 12 unveiling promotion where it tells us everything is faster and faster and faster and faster. And we begin to think to ourselves, yeah, Everything needs to go faster. And for that moment, before we go to bed, our minds swirling with so many voices, we're scared to even sit with ourselves in silence only to get up and do it all over again tomorrow. As writer Ronald Rawlheiser says, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. That is, that is the cultural lie, that, that we are distracting ourselves in the rush of life. We are distracting ourselves from spiritual oblivion, into spiritual oblivion. And a shift begins to happen as we are so distracted. A shift begins to happen in us, and before we know it, God is not our greatest treasure. Something else is. Because we never slow down to foster a relationship, to cultivate a connection with the Father. He ceases to be uh, an end in himself, but he then becomes an end to our means. Let me say that again. Because we are so distracted and have uh, kept ourselves from uh, slowing down and fostering a relationship with the Father, he ceases to be the end in himself, but he becomes a means to our end. Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, uh, the great apostle Paul is articulating um, some really incredible things as he speaks specifically to the uh, Gentile or non-Jewish followers of Jesus who are in the church at Rome. 
Uh, and he would turn in chapter 2 and then speak specifically to the Jewish uh, followers of Jesus who were in the church at Rome. But he specifically in 121 through 23 speaks to the non-Jews. And, and he says in, in chapter 121, he says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. Now hang in there with me. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise... They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. And, and some of us may hear that passage in Romans chapter 1, verse 21 through 23, and we say to ourselves, man, that's crazy. That is bonkers. These folks are wilding. They don't know what's reality. And yet what I want to suggest to you is what we see in Romans chapter 1 verses 21 through 23 is the fundamental human error regardless of what generation or regardless of what century you have been placed in. It is the foundational human condition and that foundational human condition is that you and I build our lives on things other than God. We build our lives on things that are created by God. And it doesn't matter if you don't consider yourself religious at all today. It doesn't matter if you are an irreligious person. We can all say with some uh, sort of specificity that there are things you and I trust in to bring us lasting satisfaction, comfort, joy, and peace. And the things that we trust in to bring us that lasting satisfaction, those are things that have our attention. They have our focus. As author and lifelong spiritual seeker says, attention is the beginning of devotion doesn't matter if you say, I've been a follower of Jesus for a number of years, or I'm watching to this just because I'm bored today. I don't even go to church. We all have the proclivity to worship. We all have the inclination to build our lives on things other than God, and that is the foundational. I want to submit to you that that is the foundational human error. And Paul in Romans chapter 1 is saying that, that that human problem is that we worship the wrong things. We love created things more than the creator. As Rankin Wilburn, the, the great spiritual author, uh, says in, in articulating a definition of sin, he, he, he defines it multiple ways. But, but this one very specifically cuts across the grain of our circumstance. He says sin is loving the wrong things. Or to be more precise, loving the right things in the wrong way. Sin is loving the wrong things, or to be more precise, loving the right things, loving good things in the wrong way. So in the midst of, of our hurry and our distraction, God is no longer, or he, he no longer becomes the end goal uh, in, in, in a life that values speed in, and achievement our goals become our God. Good things 
beneficial things become the things that we build our lives upon. Our, our goals have the tendency, because of the human condition of worshiping and serving created things, our goals, in the midst of all of our distraction, can become our gods. Our end, our end is not God. Our end are the multiple rental properties. So we'll, we're still praying, but God is going to help us meet our goals. God, I'm trying to get these multiple rental properties. Our, our end is passive income. Lord, I'm checking in. I'm just checking in. Please bless my family. Help my grandma. Our end is the perfect city with the perfect lifestyle and the perfect weather. I'm not sure why you moved to Chicago, but I declare it's the reason why you're so obsessed with looking at other places to move. Now, we, we're running uh, to everybody else and they mom talking about what's the best decision for me to make. What's the best decision for me and my family for the right place to live? God, I know you have a plan for my life. Direct my steps, all right? Holla at you later. And the obsession, the thing that you build your life upon is the idea of the perfect city with the perfect lifestyle and the perfect weather. And God just begins to become the means to your end. He becomes the means to get your God, which is the perfect city. Our end in this space where our goals become our God is the right house with the right zip code, with the right finishes. Our end instead of God is the degree from that school in that field. Our end instead of God is a salary job with benefits. And I'm talking to that person that's, that knows they're saying that ain't, that ain't asking for much, God. All I want is a salary job with benefits. Our end instead of God is fulfilling is a fulfilling and purposeful vocation our end instead of God is the Jerry Maguire you complete me kind of romantic relationship God I've been patient send them my way and we're frustrated God isn't answering our prayer oblivious to the fact that we don't actually want God we just want his help to accomplish our goals in life I know y'all ain't saying amen on the other end of this screen. And so I'll put myself in the picture. For pastors, sometimes success in ministry is our end. And not God's. And that just means more people more stuff, more recognition. Sin is, as Rankin Wilborn says, is loving good things. Good things. Those goals are good things. 
loving good things the wrong way. It is, it is a disordered heart. It is a disordered uh, list of loves. And so to accomplish those goals, those things that are uh, out there, we, we set up our lives in our 20s and 30s, and then we set up our lives a certain way in our 30s and 40s, and so on and so forth, that our goals have become our gods. And in the middle of all of this, I know that I've told you something as Pastor D likes to say, I, I know I'm up in someone's kitchen and the difference between being up in your kitchen and where I'm at right now is that I'm in your kitchen, I'm in your Kool-Aid and I got your flavor. And you ought to say to the person next to you, goals are good, but goals make bad gods. You might be sitting there uh, in, in your home and nobody's there with you and you need to encourage yourself in the Lord and just say out loud, goals are good, but they make for terrible gods. You see, somehow in the midst of all of this distraction, our goals have become the things that we've built our lives upon. And God has become a means to our end. So here we are in the middle of a pandemic. Filled with anxiety. Depression. Distracted from anything that truly matters. Depressed. Tired. Burdened and weary. Hearing that Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. And here we are thinking to ourselves, but is it? Is it really? So we've looked at the cultural lie. We, we've looked at the problem, we are so distracted in the busyness and the hurry of life that we have now uh, transitioned to making good things, goals and different things like that. Good things that, that have now become ruling things in our lives. We've built our lives on things other than God. But see, what's the solution? I'm so glad you asked. The famous reformer Martin Luther once said, all of life is repentance. I've always been a bit confused by that saying until I realized that my heart naturally tries to replace God with other things. And, and here's the crux of the matter. We, we, you and I, we, we, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we readily know what we've been saved from. I know that uh, I was saved from my sin. I was saved from whatever lifestyle that was. I was saved from the direction that was only ending in destruction and devastation. I was saved. God pulled me out of uh, the, the mess of my, uh, my life and placed me in my right mind, right? We know what we've been saved from. So often we forget what we were saved for. You and I were saved 
for intimacy with God. Two thousand years ago, Jesus Christ stepped into humanity and lived the perfect life that you and I could not live. He died the death that you and I deserved to die. He never built his life on anything but the Father. He was never in a hurry and distracted, too busy to center himself on God's love. He never worshipped any of the goals of his life. He always, always, always did what pleased the father and ultimately he died a sinner's death in our place and for our sins and all of the for all of the times that we did those things and three days later he rose in victory over Satan's sin and death and now it's because of that that he invites you and I to take his yoke upon us and learn from him to slow down to be present in the moment to God, to be present in the moment to others. In Luke chapter 10, Mary and Martha, these two women who, who are followers of Jesus, they have Jesus over to their house and Martha is in the kitchen getting a bunch of things ready, making preparations for taking care and hosting all of these people. And, uh, and Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus and the Bible says that she's listening to what he has to say. And Martha, who's busy making all the preparations, is frustrated with her sister and he she comes over to Jesus and she says to Jesus, Jesus, get my sister to come and help me. And Jesus says back to her in Luke 10, 40, verse 41 and 42, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. In the midst of all the busyness, of, in the midst of good things, the better thing will always be to sit at the feet of Jesus, to slow down and listen to what he has to say. In John 15, Jesus calls you and I to abide. And he says it 10 times, abide. Abide, abide. In other words, sit at my feet and listen to what I have to say. I wonder why Jesus says abide 10 times. I think it's because he understands the proclivity of the human heart to get so distracted that he had to emphasize it 10 times. Abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Don't sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to what he has to say. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's a lot of people in this life who are on the hamster wheel of life trying to do work. Sometimes in the name of Jesus. 
without sitting at his feet and listening to what he has to say, without cultivating intimacy with the Father. And it's when we sit at the Father, when, when we sit at the Father's feet, when we slow down and we listen to what he has to say, it's in that place where we get to experience the main priority of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, whose job it is to apply the person and work of Jesus to our lives. And we hear the Holy Spirit say when we sit at the feet of Jesus, beloved, beloved, this is my child. In whom I'm well pleased, beloved by grace. And all of a sudden, in that space, in that place of slowing down, uh, we, we begin to feel life's burdens lighten up. We, we begin to feel anxiety and depression begin to lift from our hearts. Gratitude begins to fill our souls. And then we truly begin to live. Abide in me, and I in you, and you will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. It's in that space that God ceases to be a means to an end, and he becomes what he rightfully is, an end in himself. And so here I am at your neighborhood. And I want to ask you a question. What is that thing that captures your attention throughout the day? What is that thing that when you begin to daydream, you're, you shift to begin to think of that thing over and over and over again, almost in an obsessive way? Remember, as Mary Oliver said, attention is the beginning of devotion. What do you pray for? Matter of fact, if, if God were to answer all of the prayers that you prayed last month, would you change? Or would it just be your circumstances that change? If God were to answer all of your prayers from last month, would you change? Or would it just be that your goals are met? What's the first thing that you wake up in the morning and do? I know I'm talking to somebody right now and uh, you're listening to what I have to say and you're saying, see, that that sounds good for you or good for those of, uh, of, of us who are listening right now who aren't working uh, and burning the midnight oil. But COVID-19 hasn't slowed me down at all. I'm working more now than I was before the pandemic. And I don't have all this time to slow down that you're talking about. And yet I would say to you, you have moments. 
You have moments to sit at the Father's feet and listen to what He has to say. You have a time in your commute. You have time when you go to grab coffee. You have time when you hop on the train, when you hop in your car. You have moments in the day that your spiritual flourishing is going to be dependent upon those moments where you're present to God and present to people. The ideas that I'm sharing with you all this morning, they are not unique to me or Pastor Derek, uh, but a lot of the ideas have been expanded and uh, they have have been... um, Um, they have been kind of oriented to our sermon series. And that book that these ideas are based on is is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, This book has been an incredible blessing to my soul as I seek to follow Jesus in community with this brother who has written this book, John Mark Homer, to slow down my life, to be present to God in the moment and present people in the moment. I want to commend that resource to you, something that will help uh, foster some of the things that we're going to be talking about throughout this series. Life and life to the full. The good life is found in being present to God in the moment and present to people in the moment. And in order to experience that as a reality of our lives, God has got to be our greatest treasure. God bless you, friend. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your goodness towards us. We thank you, God, that we don't have to look to the future to uh, experience the things that we long for in our souls. But we can practice what it means to sit at your feet and listen to what you have to say today right now, in this moment, in other moments in our days, at the beginning of our days, at the end of our days, in the midst of rushing from one thing to the other, there is a time to sit at your feet and listen to what you have to say. Help us do that, God, for your glory and for our good. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.